Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Welcome to Healthy Mama Hacks, a weekly mini podcast where I share my best tips for hacking your healthy mama life with simple tips for easier eating, cooking, and living a healthy mama life in 20-ish minutes, about the time it takes you to fold a load of laundry. So let's do this, mama. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Healthy Mama Hacks. Chris here, chef, recipe developer, culinary instructor, and busy mama. And you are listening to part two in our Kids in the Kitchen series. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, I highly encourage you to listen to it. We talk about the why, the benefits of getting your kids in the kitchen, the when, when to get your kids in the kitchen with you, and the how how to start getting your kids in the kitchen with you, whether or not you are a chef, you have a ton of culinary experience. It doesn't matter. You can always get your kids in the kitchen to start learning how to cook, even if they're learning right alongside you. So today, I want to talk about preparing to cook with your kids. Now, I want to premise this by saying you don't need to do anything special to prepare to cook with your kids and to get your kids in the kitchen. I just think that there are some things that can be helpful in understanding essential skills that they might want to know or tools that might be helpful for them to use. No, you do not need a lot of crazy tools um, or specific tools. We'll get into that to get your kids in the kitchen, Um, but also kitchen safety. So some things that you might want to know that are really important to getting your kids in the kitchen. So let's go ahead and dive in. Let's start by talking about tools, because I think that there is a big misconception that you need to have fancy tools, special tools, or kid-specific tools to get your kids in the kitchen. Now, I will say, if your kids are a little bit more reluctant to getting in the kitchen and you really want to teach them, something small that feels like it's something just for them can be really helpful as encouragement to get them in the kitchen. So one of these things I love is a kid's apron. I will link my kid's favorite kid's apron. It's from Amazon. It's like $10, really inexpensive. They come in really fun prints. And that's a great way to encourage them to get into the kitchen and to feel like they're a part of it. They just putting on that apron, I feel like makes them feel like little chefs. So something like that or their own spatula or something inexpensive. It doesn't have to be expensive. That can be a good tactic to encouraging your kids to get into the kitchen more with you. 
but it's certainly not a necessity. But there are some tools that if you have them around that can be helpful to have to get your kids in the kitchen. The one tool that I do recommend is really great to have for your kids is a kid's knife. So there are several types of kids' knives, but the way we've done it is we've started with a plastic serrated knife for both of our kiddos when they're about two. So they can just start practicing holding the knife correctly and cutting really soft things. I will go over different um, cooking skills by age in the next couple of episodes, but some sort of a plastic knife. Again, these are really inexpensive on Amazon. I will link two of my favorites in the show notes, but they're plastic, so they can't cut themselves with it, uh, or it's very, very difficult for them to cut themselves with it. But they're serrated, so they still cut through things like strawberries or bananas or mushrooms, really soft items. So I think that's a really great thing to start with and to start to encourage them that they don't have to be afraid of knives. And then once they get into kind of the second age bracket, once they're closer to age six or so, then you can introduce a a stainless steel knife. So I've always let my eight-year-old use my global vegetable knife because it's about a five and a half or six inch blade. So it's much smaller than a traditional chef's knife. It has a great shape that helps with the rocking motion that is essential for knife skills. And so she's always found that really easy to use, but it is like an $80 knife. So I don't think you need to buy your kiddo an $80 knife. Now, I actually keep that knife at the cooking studio where I teach classes now. And so I don't even have it in our house. So I decided to get uh, my older daughter a stainless steel knife of her own. And there are several companies, and I will link those to, I'll link a couple of the companies, where you can get a pretty inexpensive, like $15 to $30 stainless steel knife that works just as well as a regular knife. It's just a little bit smaller, so easier to hold in their hand. It's important to teach your kids that you need a knife that's big enough for the task and not just give them a paring knife to cut a potato with. That's actually really dangerous, especially with our, if our kids don't have the strength to be able to cut through that and they're like, you know, wiggling their fingers around and they might lose that form with their other hand and cut themselves. So a bigger knife does not mean more dangerous with kids. It's all about knife skills and learning proper knife skills. So having a knife that's sharp enough so that they can do the task that you are encouraging them to do in a really safe way is huge. So I do think having some kid-friendly knives for different ages is really helpful. Again, you do not need to spend an arm and a leg on these. If you're comfortable with letting them use your 8-inch, 10-inch chef's knife from the start, then so be it. Maybe not two. I probably wouldn't encourage that. (laughs) But when they're a little bit older, that's fine. You obviously want to be there watching them, guiding them. But I think that is that one thing that can be really, really helpful for them. Other things that I think are really helpful to have around that your kids can use that your kids can help you with are a vegetable peeler. So many of you know I am... (sighs) I'm a big fan of the Y peeler, and I have some beef with carrot peelers. (laughs) Most people will start their kids with a carrot peeler, which I can see it's a little bit easier for little hands. And if they're just peeling carrots or maybe a potato, yes, I guess a carrot peeler would work in this instance. But I do like Y peelers, too. They're very inexpensive. They're pretty sharp. So as long as you make sure that you teach your kids how to hold 
the item correctly so and and to peel away from them not towards them so that they're not cutting their fingers that's huge and peeling vegetables is a really great thing that um, most kids can do from ages like three on uh, peeling is pretty easy vegetables and fruit that are that have softer peels are going to be easier for that but definitely peeling um they have these really cool vegetable cutters like they're kind of um oh my gosh what is it called they're not serrated but you can get little vegetable cutters for your kids to be able to cut without having to use a knife when they're a little bit younger, when they're not quite at the age for a stainless steel knife. And I will, again, I'll link that down below. I'll do a whole, you know, link party with all of these things that I share with all of you. This is not a necessity, um, but it it can be helpful to have a vegetable cutter if you do want your kids to be able to, like, slice up celery or cut up lettuce or things like that. And not and they're not quite ready for a full-on knife something that else can be really helpful once they get to like four or five is an apple slicer so the kind that cores the apple and then slices it into chunks it gives them some autonomy when they are like i want an apple mommy can you cut it you can say well you can cut it for yourself and just teaching them how to take that apple cutter center it over the core press down really hard they might need some help getting it all the way down but you can at least teach them that that, this is something that you can do by yourself or you're going to be able to do by yourself. So having that apple slicer, it's one of those pieces of kitchen equipment I don't think is a necessity at all. But having kids in the kitchen, it can be really, really helpful having that around. Uh, Measuring spoons and cups, you likely already have these, but these are great to have kids measuring ingredients is one of the best ways to get them to start cooking alongside you in the kitchen. And yes, it is part of the cooking process. Spoons and spatulas, again, you probably have these, but a silicone spatula tends to be pretty light and they can help you stir with that. A whisk is also great. I don't actually even own a whisk. I just use a fork, so they can definitely help you with whisking as well. I find whisking makes kids feel really powerful because you can see the change change when you're whisking something. So things go from separate to together. Eggs go from being a whole egg to being a scrambled or maybe not fully scrambled, but a whisked egg. (laughs) And so they can actually see that change happening. And that inspires them and gives them some confidence too. And they're like, oh, I did something. So whisking is really great. A butter knife, a small butter knife is a great tool for your kiddos not to cut with. Please don't cut anything with a butter knife other than butter, but to spread with. So they can spread butter, they can spread nut butter, they can spread jam. It's a great way to get them involved with their own lunches. And so that is something that's really helpful to have on hand. Uh, Bowls that are a little bit smaller than ones you might use as mixing bowls, but bigger than just your like soup bowls. These can be really helpful to have on hand. Obviously, you probably have a lot of these items. I'm not, again, telling you to go out and buy a bunch of things. But when you're thinking about the tools that your kids could help with, it can be helpful to understand, oh, yeah, those medium-sized bowls, those are good ones my kids might be able to help me mix with because they can put their arms around it. It's not so big. It feels really cumbersome, but it's not so small that things are going to go flying outside the sides like the example that I gave in last episode when Ren got flour everywhere. (laughs) Embrace the mess, mama. Uh, Tongs. Tongs are an important kitchen tool to use and they can, even though to many of us, they feel kind of like an extension of our arm. For kids, they're kind of a funky little, I'm like, you can't see me. (laughs) I'm like moving my my hand around like, uh, like like it's talking. They're kind of funky and it does take some time to learn how to use them. Even small mini tongs can be helpful for them to start to use mini tongs. 
So having some mini tongs around so they can learn how to pick things up also helps with those fine motor skills as well. And then um, a grater is also something. Having kids grate things is a great way. <laughs> it's a great way to get kids in the kitchen. They can grate cheese. They can grate carrots. They can, you know, they can grate cucumber for tzatziki. So many different things they can grate. Again, it makes them feel like they're doing something. They're a part of it, but it's generally safe. You obviously keep them not to keep, uh, teach them to not keep their fingers too close to the grater. A microplane can be good, but I do recommend um, something like ginger and garlic. Just waiting until they're a little bit older uh, because you can cut yourself on those really fine grates if they get too close. But they can certainly do citrus zest with a microplane grater. So that's great to have as well. <laughs> Pun again. <laughs> that's great to have on hand as well. So. Those are the basic tools, I think, that are really great for kids to help you out in the kitchen. So if you have those, just think of those as things they can help you with. And if you don't have them, other than the knife, I don't think you need to run out and get any of those any of those things for your kids. And I don't think you need to run out and get the knife either, depending on where your kids are, their ages, and what stage they're at. Um, typically, we start teaching knife skills around ages two or three with the plastic knife, but we don't really start teaching knife skills until about age five. My older daughter is probably confident a knife uh, with a knife by herself by age six. We started really age five and by age six, and she's fine all by herself now. We actually have to remind her that she can't just chop things by herself right now because she's still only eight. We'll come in the kitchen and she'll have like a bowl of strawberries all chopped up and snacking there. I'm like, um, okay, let's make sure we ask before we use a very sharp tool without mommy. And she's like, oh, I know how to do it. I'm like, oh, I know you know how to do it. Um, it's a blessing and a curse having very confident kids, right? So those are the tools I recommend having on hand or just having knowledge about. You know, these can be really helpful for your kids when you're preparing to cook with your kids. Now, let's talk about essential skills I think your kids should know beyond boxed mac and cheese, because obviously we want to make sure our kids know how to boil water and cook pasta before they leave the house. But we want them to know a little bit beyond that. Right. So what are some of the skills I think that your kids should know? before they're in their teens, I think. So obviously cooking pasta, learning how to boil water, learning um, even things like salting the water once it's boiling is helpful. It'll take it a little bit longer to boil. If you salt the water before, covering it will in will um, encourage it to boil faster. These little things are, you've got science lessons involved in that too, right? So obviously boiling water, understanding that you add the pasta in and then you, well, you uh, if you're doing pasta, make sure you salt the water, bring it back up to that boil, add the pasta in, stir it so it doesn't stick, how to drain it safely. We'll talk about safety in a minute, um, but absolutely cooking pasta. I've mentioned this several times, but knife skills are the most essential thing I think your kids need to know. And I think your kids should have a good knowledge of knife skills by age 10 if you have started teaching them before age 10. Now, if, if they're turning 10 next week, that I'm not talking about that. I remember how in last episode I said it's never too late to start. It does not matter if they're seven or seven months or 17. Maybe maybe wait on the seven months on learning knife skills. But at any point, they can come into the kitchen and start learning alongside you. But if they start learning alongside you a year or so before age 10, I think knife skills are the first thing that they need to learn. Um, learning how to cut different uh, fruits and vegetables is huge. Just being able to prepare a simple salad so you know that when they leave the house, they are able to create a salad to serve to their... Maybe they don't... I think a salad dressing is a very simple thing that your kids should definitely, definitely know how to do. Um, but that, that'll come a little bit later. We'll talk about that in skills. But being able to just throw together a quick salad... 
not be afraid to cut ahead of broccoli so they can roast up some broccoli for themselves. That's something I think they should learn later on, too, is learning how to roast vegetables. But knife skills, definitely, especially when it comes to things like vegetables and fruit. Um, Measuring and mixing, that is one of those first things that they need to learn. How to read a recipe. So, so, so huge. I mentioned this in the last episode as well. How to read a recipe from start to finish. Mise en place. This is an essential skill that they should know that most people are not taught unless you go to culinary school. Mise en place means everything in its place. I shared this when I shared about becoming a more efficient cook. What this means is you read through your entire recipe, you look at your ingredients, and you prepare your ingredients before you start cooking. And typically, the... Recipe will not tell you chop your carrots, chop your onion, chop your celery. It will just tell you to add the carrot, celery, and onion to your pot. And if they don't understand that they need to have those done ahead of time, you know, your kiddo who's learning how to make a soup might throw the whole one in there. (laughs) You know, most kids are, are generally smarter than that, right? But they need to understand that when it says chopped, then you need to chop that ahead of time. And it's a lot more efficient to have everything chopped so you can throw it in at the same time. Um, you know, it's it's also important. This is kind of part knife skills, part learning how to read a recipe, but understanding the different cuts and like what does diced mean and what does chiffonade mean and what are those just general. And if you don't know that, again, that's OK. You guys can be learning alongside each other. And when you learn alongside or when you encounter a cooking term you might not know, look it up, Google it, and you've both learned something. So I do not think you need to be some sort of a master chef in order to teach your kids good cooking skills. You can learn right alongside them. So knife skills. Um, Oh, I already said I said cooking pasta. I said, but that's not the first thing I think they should learn. They need to learn knife skills. They need to learn reading through a recipe. They need to learn mise en place, measuring and mixing and how to measure correctly, how to mix correctly, right? This is going to be different for different things. Once they have those things down, they can do things like learn how to scramble eggs. Cooking eggs is important. It is one of the first skills you learn in culinary school because it's a lot more nuanced than you might think. But being able to cook eggs means they can always make themselves a really simple breakfast, right? So scrambling eggs is great. And then basic cookery. So basic vegetable cookery. So learning how to steam, saute, and roast vegetables. Those are all going to come at different stages. So salad first, right? From those knife skills. And then steam, saute, roast vegetables, right? Um, Basic grain cooking. So learning how to cook grains on the stove and or the rice cooker is really helpful. Um, Basic meat cookery. So not being afraid of meat if your family eats meat. Alternative to this could be also learning how to cook beans from scratch, right? So something like how to cook a chicken breast and how to make sure you know that it's done. How to cook a steak or how to cook ground meat is typically what I start kids with is cooking ground meat and how to tell when that's done. Maybe even venturing into cooking fish, but just your basic vegetable cookery, green cookery, and meat cookery. So they don't, I don't think they need to leave the house feeling like they've gone through an entire culinary school course. I think that they just need to know the basics that are going to help them to develop those skills as they get older. And none of these things are things that I think your your kids need to learn by next week. Like I said, you might not know some of these. I didn't know most of them before I went to culinary school. And I went to culinary school when I was like after college. So I had been in the world cooking for several years at this point, right? 
So knife skills, mise en place, reading a recipe, measuring, mixing, cooking pasta, pasta, scrambling eggs, basic vegetable cookery, salads, basic grain cookery, basic meat cookery, the basics. And if you don't know them, again, it's okay. You learn them and then you teach them or you learn together. And the last thing that I want to talk about today, which is really important, and please do not turn this episode off unless you have a certification in kitchen safety, then you can turn it off. But if you don't, you're probably going to learn something here because a lot of these things are things that I did not learn until I was an adult, until I was in culinary school or in a professional kitchen. I want to talk to you about kitchen safety. Your kids need to know these things and you need to know these things, okay? So first and foremost, I will use my older daughter, not to throw her under the bus, but as an example, she's very confident in the kitchen because we've had her in the kitchen since she was very young, but we typically do not allow her to use anything sharp or use anything. Oh my gosh, I have a funny story. I'm going to share that with you in a second. They typically are not allowed to use the stove, the oven, or sharp knives without us. They could, she could peel something if she wanted to peel a carrot without us. I trust her to do that. And honestly, I do trust her to cook the the uh, to cut the the strawberries without me. But I just want to be in the room just to be there just in case, you know, if there was an accident, I'm right there instead of, you know, in the other room or something like that. Not that our house is very big, but having knowing that you're supposed to be there when they do X, Y and Z is really important. So my funny story, just because I love to to share my own experiences with all of you. So remember, eight year old, very confident. We had this wonderful young lady come in and babysit for us for the first time. She's one of my husband's friend's daughters. She's uh, 16, I believe. She's not, um, she's a very, very smart girl, but she's not very experienced in babysitting. But she was only watching the kids for a few hours and we were only a few streets over. So we're like, sure, you can, our kids are, are pretty good with babysitters. So this will be your first babysitting experience. It's great. And so one of the things my kids love to do with babysitters is make popcorn. Now we don't have a microwave. So we make popcorn in a popcorn maker, um, but that's upstairs in the attic or on the stove. Okay, so the popcorn maker's not downstairs, did not remember to bring it downstairs. And my older daughter tells this sweet 16-year-old who has never babysat before that she wants to make popcorn on the stove. Now, the 16-year-old had never used a gas stove like we have before. So my 8-year-old proceeds to teach her how to use a gas stove. Thank God she used it correctly and they were not like pumping gas into the house all night and taught her how to make popcorn on the stove. <laughs> so she's like, oh, yeah, I taught her how to do it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, she's not technically an adult. <laughs> like, next time, ask us ahead of time before you're going to do something like that, okay? Usually, usually we'd have a grown-up around when we were using straight-up fire. But yeah, so careful how confident your kids get in the kitchen. No, I'm just kidding. Well, that was more on our part. We needed to be a little bit more clear with her Everything was safe. Everything was fine. Um, but yeah, there are certain things you do with mom and dad around or having previously talked to the babysitter. So let's talk kitchen safety. Number one, make sure they know to cook with you or to do any of the quote unquote dangerous things with you. Number two, this is not going to be a surprise, but just they need to know that no matter what, they always, 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 always have to wash their hands before they start cooking. And if anything gets on their hands while they're cooking, especially if it's meat, then they need to wash their hands in between. There is never, like, overwashing does not exist in the kitchen. So, and you will never get in trouble in a professional kitchen for leaving to wash your hands, right? 
it's washing is always important. So wash your hands. Number three, this is something that it took my husband a long time to wrap his mind around. My husband comes from a Japanese family, and so they always take and actually I find I found this with Canadians in general, and maybe my family was just strange. <laughs> Love you all. Um, but we kept our shoes we we keep our shoes on in the house. I don't anymore because now I understand how it's kind of icky keep because your shoes are like outside. And then you bring them in and you're tracking gross shoe stuff or dirt and things like that inside the house. So anyway, they always took their shoes off in the house. But I wear my shoes in the kitchen when I'm cooking, when I'm recipe testing, when I'm teaching cooking classes, because closed-toed shoes in the kitchen are really important. Because if you drop that knife, like I have many times, okay, and very thankful for steel-toed shoes when I worked in a professional kitchen, you will cut your dough off. So let's not, right? So it's okay to wear shoes in the kitchen. Even if you don't wear shoes in the house, it's okay to wear shoes in the kitchen. Slippers and socks do not count. Okay, number four, hair up in the kitchen. If your kiddos have long hair, hair up in the kitchen. Number one, it's a cleanliness thing. It's gross to have hair in your food. If you've ever had hair in your food, you understand, ew. No one wants hair in their food. But even beyond that, it's hard to see when your hair is in your eyes. And I don't know about you, but my kids like don't even notice sometimes when their hair is directly in front of their eyes. And I'm like, what's happening? Can you doesn't the world look funny that way? And so making sure their hair is up in the kitchen. And I will say I am guilty. Sometimes I like wearing my hair down when I'm doing cooking videos. But I assure you when I'm at home actually cooking for people or cooking in a professional sense, my hair is always up. Okay. How to hold a knife and walk with a knife. Okay, this is different than knife skills. Holding a knife and walking with a knife. So how to hand a knife to someone? You do not hand it to them blade side. You hand it to them handle side. When you walk with it, you walk with it straight down and you are loud in that kitchen. You tell people that you are behind you with a knife so that they don't whip around and you accidentally hurt them right? So how to hold a knife, how to hand a knife, and how to walk with a knife is what they need to know even before they start to learn knife skills. Then, of course, course kitchen safety. I said that knife skills is one of the things I, that they need to learn. Safe knife skills, okay? Before they even learn the technique of, you know, rocking the knife or even the technique of of um, choking the knife so that you're holding it with your thumb on one side and your forefinger on the other of the blade. You don't actually hold it down at the handle. If you didn't know that, come to one of my cooking classes. We'll chat. But knowing what to do with their other hand, we call it the claw, so that you um, are kind of putting your hand in a your a guiding hand in a claw position and then pressing your knuckles forward so you're chopping against your knuckle, not against your fingertips. If you cut off your nail, then you have you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I've done it in the past too. It's easy to get lazy, but on, like the more you learn that, the easier it becomes. It's just natural to keep your hand in that claw position. Uh, making sure that you always cut a flat surface, anything that's rounded, that you are securing that. And I would say this is a, a separate tip, but you always secure your cutting board. Unless your cutting boards have grips around the sides, making sure that you put a wet paper towel or cloth underneath that your cutting board is secure before you chop anything, really, really important. When it comes to heat safety, okay, reminding your kids that to always assume that burners are hot, right? So burners are always hot. So making sure you always assume that they're hot. You're not putting your hands on the burner or hands on pans. Assume it's hot. Similar to that, don't get too close to the oven when you open it. You can actually burn your eyeballs. I've done it. So 
you know, obviously keep your head a little bit further away when you're opening that oven. If you need to check on something, try checking on it with the light inside before you even open the oven. That also messes things up when you're baking if you're opening and closing because you're changing the temperature, FYI. So teaching them to not get too close to the oven when you open it and not open the oven more than is necessary. Making sure to always use oven mitts. That goes along with the tip for assuming everything is hot. Just assume it's hot. And if it's not, then you're lucky. But you don't want to be unlucky in this situation, right? Also, if you are traveling around the kitchen, just like when you're holding your knife or walking with your knife, hot pan behind you. Hot pan behind you. Use your voice in the kitchen It is okay to use your voice in the kitchen. Make sure they know it's okay to use your voice in the kitchen. We want to keep everyone safe, not just ourselves. Something else that's really helpful, especially when you're cooking alongside other people, if they're cooking alongside their siblings, and something just to learn to be an efficient cook overall is to keep your workspace clean. I know this seems like more of an organizational type thing than a safety thing, but a crowded cutting board or a crowded workspace is one that's much easier to hurt yourself, to cut yourself. And so making sure that you're keeping your workspace clean, so teaching them to have a scrap bowl for scraps of things, to have bowls around um, for your mise en place so you're not keeping everything that you've chopped on your cutting board. I don't care how big your cutting board is. Make sure that you are keeping your workspace clean, having that trash nearby so that you can throw things away if you need to. Just making sure that you're keeping your workspace clean is huge. And last but not least, just teaching them general food safety, right? So cross-contamination matters. And so we do not cut in the same cutting board with any sort of meat or fish, um, or different types of meat or fish included, or vegetables, right? We use different cutting boards. We wash things really, really well. We don't use the same knife for different things. I can't tell you how many times in professional kitchens I have seen somebody, oh gosh, cut like meat and then go and try and cut lettuce and i'm like no make sure your kids know better okay make sure your kids know better um and then just make sure that they understand that that food needs to be cooked at certain for uh, food needs to be cooked to certain temperatures so they start to understand like meat cookery that they um there is a you know chicken poultry needs to be cooked to 165 degrees they might not they might not memorize it maybe you have a chart on the fridge a lot of people do um so just understanding that there are temperatures that things need to be be cooked by and to start to understand they don't need to learn this all at once but that you don't just pull something out when you think it's done some things yes but for the most part things like meat they need to be cooked to a certain temperature to make sure that they are safe so they don't need to have a certification in food and food safety in order to be cooking with you in the kitchen, but just understanding that general kitchen safety is really huge. So I hope you all learned a little something. Um, I all These are all things that, other than just washing my hands, these are all things that I learned in culinary school or beyond. And so if any of these are like, oh, wow, I didn't know that, you are not alone. And so teaching your kids kitchen safety is just going to make you all feel more comfortable and confident learning to cook in the kitchen, them learning to cook, or you guys cooking alongside each other in the kitchen. Um, I also shared some of the essential skills I think that your kids should know just to give you an idea of what you might want to start working on with them and tools that can be helpful for your kids to use to help you in the kitchen. In next week's episode, we will dive into cooking skills by ages. We'll start with ages two through five, the observe, explore, play stage. And then in the last episode of this series, we will talk about cooking skills um, by ages six to 16. So foundation, 
connections, building confidence, and getting creative in the kitchen. So I hope you found this episode helpful. Please tag me over on Instagram at Healthy Mama Chris. I want to see pictures of you and your kids cooking. Ask me any questions you might have or suggestions for future episodes. I would love that. I love hearing from you. Uh, and I can't wait to catch you in the next episode. Happy cooking. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.